0: The title of the sermon is The Transformative Power of Jesus. Now we've been looking at Jesus, looking at conversations with Jesus, his divinity, his humanity, and looking at different aspects of who he is. Uh, but today we're going to look at how we can be transformed by him. How we can be transformed by his power. Now I was thinking of things that transform other things. And the example I'm going to give will probably make some of you laugh. Some of you might not know what it is, but I'll explain. So this, (laughs) (laughs) what this is, this is like, you go to a shop, you buy chicken stock, beef stock, it's just like a seasoning cube. But the power of this, no matter what you make, you might be making a dish and it's coming out terrible, like the flavours are just off it's not coming out right you sprinkle a little bit on you are top chef and it doesn't matter what you're making you can make bolognese you can make shepherd's pie you can make rice and peas or jollof rice it will taste fantastic and all all it needs is a little sprinkle and it transforms the whole dish You know, when I went to um, it was a few years ago I was in Nigeria and again I'm not condoning this advert I'm saying this is what the advert was And um, on the billboard, it had a picture of like a woman cooking with her kids in the kitchen, and it says, "As I said, I do not condone this." (laughs) It says, "It says Magic Cube makes ordinary women extraordinary." (laughs) (laughs) so the reason I said, I show the power it has to transform an incredible dish. But as I said, we're not here to talk about... we talk about Jesus, how he transformed <laughs> That's just an illustration. Um, you know, Jesus is incredible. You know, in Colossians 1, don't turn there, but it talks about Jesus being the uh, invisible image, the image of the invisible God. It talks about he's the firstborn over all creation. For so in him and through him all things were created. Um, Jesus has all power. Jesus has performed miracles that we've all read in his word. He's changed our lives. We we know Jesus to be incredible, divine, human. Uh Jesus is is magnificent above and beyond everything. And we get to be transformed by him. And that's that's a big deal. We get to be transformed. By Jesus, And I know a lot of us in this room have been transformed by Jesus at one point. Right. We're all sitting here because of that. Um, you can think of the lives you used to live before you became disciples and think of who you are now and the life you get to live now and think only because of Jesus and God's grace. However, I think it's really important that we don't just let that transformation stop when we become a Christian. Uh, we don't let that transformation be a one-time thing, but we co- are continually being transformed by him. Truly, it's for our own good. In Second Peter 1, it talks about, you know, for this very reason, add to your faith goodness, goodness, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, and it goes on and on and on. And the call is that we should always be growing, always be transformed. It says later on in that passage that if we do those things, um, it will keep us from being ineffective and unproductive in our knowledge of Jesus Christ. It goes on to say in verse 11 that if we do these things, we will never stumble and we will receive a rich welcome into eternity with Christ. So it's really important that we are always being transformed by Jesus and we're lucky that he has the power to do all of that. And so I really hope and pray that as we look at some scriptures today, we're going to look at a lot of Bible, that we see how he's transformed people in his word and we can gain encouragement and conviction as how he can do that for us today and going forward. So let's turn to John chapter 4. We're going to look at two examples. The first one is Jesus and the Samaritan woman and then we'll look at another one after that. John chapter 4. Now Jesus learned that the Pharisees uh, had heard that he was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John. Although in fact it was not Jesus who baptized but his disciples. So he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town uh, in Samaria called Sychar near a plot of ground Jacob had given his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, go and call your husband and comes back. Hmm. I have no husband, she, she replied. Jesus said to her, you are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you have had five husbands and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see you're a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the father, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshippers will worship the father in spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshippers the father seeks. God is spirit and his worshippers must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that the Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, am he. Just then, his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman. But no one asked, what do you want or why are you talking with her? Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to people, come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town and made their way towards him. I will stop there for now. So we see here Jesus going through a place called... Samaria, Samaria, and uh, he's been on a long journey, about 80 kilometres from Judea back to Galilee, and of course like, there's no transport, so he's having to make that journey on foot. So understandably he's tired, he comes to a well, he sits down, and he asks a woman for a drink, strikes up a conversation with her. Um, but it's interesting, even as the Samaritan woman mentioned, she's a Samaritan, he is a Jew. Now, I want you to imagine... Um, the conflict between, say, like uh, you know, Israel and Palestine. I want you to imagine a conflict between uh, Birmingham City fan and Aston Villa fan. Ooh. I want you to understand the conflict between an Arsenal supporter and a Tottenham supporter, Ooh. and amplify that in, by infinity. And this is the tension you have between Jesus, the Jews, and the Samaritans. But anyway, Jesus doesn't care about that. He starts talking to this woman, and he's asking for a drink. He disregards all these social constructs, and he's like, "Look, I'm thirsty." They get talking and, you know, there's a lot in this passage. I won't go into it all right now, but Jesus then says, you know, bring your husband. And this is where it gets a bit sticky. Um, she answers smartly and she's like, I don't, I don't have one. And he's like, yeah, you're right. You've had five wow. and the one you're with right now is not your husband. And then a few more words. Um, this woman goes off, proclaims Jesus. Many people believe in him as a result. Verse 39 of that same chapter. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. So this woman went from being known as the one with five husbands to the reason why many Samaritans believed in Jesus. So we see the change, we see the transformation there. And we'll look at another situation. It's a lot of Bible reading, guys, but I hope you're with me. Mark chapter 5. And we'll look at Jesus restoring a demon-possessed man. They went across the lake to the region of the Gerasenes. When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an impure spirit came from the tombs to meet him. The man lived in the tombs and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. The demons begged Jesus, send us among the pigs, allow us to go into them. He gave them permission and the impure spirits came out and went into the pigs. The herd, about 2,000 in number, rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. Those tending the pigs ran off, reported this in the town and the countryside and the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they saw a man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there, dressed in his right mind, and they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told about the pigs as well. Then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. Jesus uh, did not let him, but said, go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And all the people... We're amazed. And we'll stop there. Again, here we see a man who's effectively been sectioned off from society. Isolated, and we get a picture of a, of a man who, yet, certainly not in his right mind. He has been, tried to be bound by chains, it didn't work. He's running up and down the hills and caves, screaming, cutting himself. He's, he's not in his right mind. People would look at this guy and be like, run away, don't have anything to do with him. Yet again, we see Jesus doesn't turn him away. He goes up to Jesus and you scream, have mercy, Jesus does not turn him away. He sees the problem and deals with it. He drives out the demons. And again, once we see him transformed, sitting there in his right mind, he goes and tells everyone about it. And everyone is amazed. And we see the power of Jesus being able to transform anyone. And so from those two passages, there's three quick points I want to share with you all. And the first one is that anyone can get it. It is for everyone and it's interesting to think that both these people in these situations Jesus should not have been with them at all there's there's no situation that it's acceptable for Jesus to be spending time a good Jewish man to be spending time with any of those people in those situations firstly a Samaritan woman as described one she's a Samaritan and secondly she's a woman who's known to be a bit promiscuous not someone that a Jewish man should be associated with the demon-possessed man, and someone who is not in his right mind, that everyone is cast out, no one wants to be around, yet Jesus doesn't care one bit. Jesus doesn't care about what people around him think, um, how bad these people are, What uh, he doesn't care about trying to save face. You know, in Luke 19.10, it says Jesus came to seek and save the lost. And it's clear that Jesus had a love for people, a love for everyone, that surpassed trying to have a good image, surpassed trying to be politically correct in this setting but to love people and to save people. And Jesus did this for the sake of mankind. And I think this is one of the things that blows me away about Christianity, is that it, it doesn't matter who you are, where you've come from, what past you've had, what you've done, Jesus wants to have a relationship with you, and Jesus wants to transform you. Like In a world that we live in where it's all about who you know, what you've done, what mistakes have you made, like, and those are the things that we can judge each other by, in this situation, Jesus doesn't use any of those measures for us. Anyone can get his transformation, and he wants all of us to be transformed by him. Amen. And as I said before, all of us in this room are living proof of that. Amen. When you think of where we've come from, uh, you might even be thinking of the things you used to do before you were a Christian. Um, the lies you used to tell, the immorality, whatever it might be. And you think you're sitting here now with not an easy life, but an incredible life because of Jesus none of us deserve that at all. And maybe some of us in this room don't think we have a relationship with God right now. Maybe we're thinking, I'm, I'm not too sure about this, I may be new to this. The encouragement, this is for you as well. This is for everyone. It doesn't matter what you have done. If you come to Jesus, he will transform you if you let him. Then in Titus 2 verse 11, it says, the grace of God has appeared to offer salvation to all people. To all people, There's no exclusion to this. This is available for everyone, It's just down to us, to accept it. And as I said, you know, we've been transformed, but the call cool is that we are continually transformed. And I think as Christians, just because we've become Christians doesn't mean we'll be perfect. Doesn't mean we won't sin, we won't slip up, we won't even go back into bad habits. And I think one of the things which can be really damaging is when we slip up, when we make a mistake... Of course, we can think, "Yeah, I shouldn't have done that," and it's true, we shouldn't have done that. Um, however, Satan wants to get into our head and think you, there's no turning back. You can't. Whatever mistake you've made, it's too bad. God will not forgive you. God is mad at you. God is upset with you, and He doesn't want anything to do with you anymore. And again, my encouragement is: it's not that let's go out and sin and do whatever we want so that God can forgive us. That's that's not the message at all. And you read the scriptures; none of that is true. But it's the fact that when we do slip, when we do fall, if we choose to go back to him, we can still be transformed by him. If we're still sitting here today, if we're still alive right now, that means we have a chance to go back to Jesus and to be transformed by him yet again. There is nothing too bad that he won't forgive. And all of us sitting here have access to that right now. And you'll be surprised the things you struggle with right now, the traps that you fall into, uh, the mistakes you think you've made, you go back to Jesus and let Him transform you. In a week, in a month, in a year, you will be a different person. And you'll see it and you'll give glory to God for it. This is for everyone. Let us not forget that Jesus didn't come for a a select group of people. Um, Jesus didn't, he he says, you know, he didn't come for the well, he came for the sick. And all of us here are either sick at the moment or have been sick spiritually. And we all need to be transformed by him. And a side point from that, um, obviously we're disciples here, we're Christians, meaning we're followers of him. We see that Jesus gave this to everyone. We see that Jesus didn't hold back from sharing the gospel, transforming everyone. And I think when I was reading this, I was convicted because I was like, wow, that means if I'm his follower, I need to be doing this to everyone. Not just reaching out to those I find easy to, not just to those who sound like me, who look like me, who have similar hobbies to me, but to everyone. If we're going to be Jesus' followers, then we need to associate with the people that we shouldn't be associating with. We need to be seeking out these people whose society would be like, I don't want anything to do with it. This is what Jesus did. Therefore, this is what we need to do as his followers. So this is for everyone. The second point is, it's not easy. Transformation is not easy. When we try and change anything, whether big or small, once we've built a habit, it's difficult to break. It's difficult to come out of. And, you know, I'm ashamed to say that when I was younger, and I'm talking about much younger, um, I used to eat with my mouth open. I used to chew with my mouth open and make loads of noise when eating. And my mum was not going to have it one bit. So we would sit, round, we'd sit every night, we'd sit around the dinner table. And, you know, I'd be there just enjoying my food, making noise, making noise. Um, and my mum got to a point, she's like, eventually she's like, okay, so we've got to do something, we've got to do something about this. And so she decided, okay, we're going to have a code word. So we're sitting on the dinner table when you're eating with your mouth open making too much noise. I'm gonna say this word, and then you know, okay, let me take a step back, calm down, and slowly chew my food. And I used to get so annoyed. I thought, mum, just let me eat my food. Like, is it it's not that much of a big deal, it's not that deep. Um, It's really it's there's bigger things to worry about. But now I'm grateful that she did. <laughs> I'm very grateful that she did. But even though it sounds like such a small thing, it was actually a very difficult habit to break. A very difficult habit to break. You know, when I was, um, when I was in school, I played rugby. And when I got to about 14, 15, my coach was like, hey, okay, you're, you know, your opposition are quite big. You need to start going to the gym. You need to start training. I was like, okay, cool. Um, so I used to go to the weight room in my lunch times. And I would leave the weight room and go into my science class. I was like, I can't walk. Like, I am in so much pain right now. Why on earth am I doing this? But then I go to the rugby match, and I realise this is why I did it. You know, when I was trying to become a better piano player, and I had lessons, and my teacher would be telling my parents, he needs to practice one hour every day, do the scales, do this. Have you been doing it? No. Well, you need to. He won't stop. Oh, my goodness. It was so annoying. But I'm so grateful right now that he did. All those boring scales I had to do, um, the the hours of boredom that I sat, it made me into a better piano player. And so I see that even through the discomfort and the pain and the awkwardness, the result was fantastic. And spiritually, our transformation can be similar to that. It can be very painful. Very uncomfortable, very awkward, but the results are beautiful if we don't run away from them. You know, we see the Samaritan woman, and I try and put myself in her position. This man that you've just met, this man you've just met, is now exposing your whole life. You've had five husbands, and the one you're with now is not your husband. And I'm like, how embarrassing would that would that have been? She's sitting there, and this man has seen through all of her deepest, darkest secrets. Mm-hmm. I would have run away probably. But she sits there through the awkwardness, through the discomfort, and we see what came as a result. And maybe you're here. Maybe you're in the room. And maybe you're a teen. Maybe you're not. You're studying the Bible. And maybe you don't want to tell your friends, your parents, your classmates the things you've been learning. Maybe you don't want to open up and talk about some of the sins you've been finding really hard. Maybe in here we're Christians and someone comes to you and Share something with you I see a bit of pride a bit of arrogance a, a bit of selfishness and we're like what do you mean? me? maybe someone comes up to you and shares how you've hurt them with something and immediately it's like I, I, I didn't do anything these things are all uncomfortable these conversations are always awkward I find them very awkward myself on the receiving and the giving end of them too but we can't shy away from these things this is all part of spiritual transformation and this makes us into who Jesus wants us Amen. to be. You know, Hebrews twelve eleven it says, No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. So it actually says it will be painful. Like it's to be expected. It's not pleasant, it's painful. However, later it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace. Amen. The results are beautiful. So again, I remember a few years ago, my grandma on my mum's side, she was diagnosed with cancer. And, you know, she's, I think at the moment, she's probably about 85, I think she was 81, 82 at the time. But she's, normally you look at her, she's healthy, like she's active, um, and she was diagnosed with cancer. And it was crazy, because you see, she goes from looking relatively healthy, even though there's things wrong, <laughs> And the journey to get her from that to being well, it's like her health gets worse. When you have chemotherapy and radiotherapy, it's like everything just gets worse and worse and worse and worse until hopefully it gets better. And it's crazy to think during her treatment there were points that she almost died because of complications. Not from the cancer, but from the treatment. But it's crazy to think she had to go through all of that with the hope that this is going to heal me at some point. And thank God it did. But again, we see that the pain and the agony she had to go through to be transformed back to health doesn't seem right. doesn't seem normal, but it's the same with our spiritual transformation. The pain will produce something beautiful later. And my encouragement, you know, if we embrace the discomfort of transformation, we will see the harvest of righteousness and peace. If we don't run away from these, com- these conversations, from the scriptures, we will see Jesus transform us into incredible people for him. And again, as I said, the Samaritan woman, we see the discomfort. The demon-possessed man, we see the discomfort, but we see the result of it at the end. It is not easy. And the third and final point is, we have to share it. When we are transformed, we have to share it. And I think the thing that convicts me the most about these two passages is that it was almost like a natural response when Jesus had changed them and transformed them, they were like, yeah, of course, like, let me go and tell people. Mm. Let me go and share what he's done for me. You know, in uh, Mark 5, verse 20. So the man went away and began to tell the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him, and all the people were amazed. The Samaritan woman. Many of the Samaritans from the town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with him And he stayed two days. And because of this, many more became believers. And I think for us, when we truly comprehend what Jesus has done for us, it will, we can't keep it to yourself. When we all have good news, like I shared good news at the beginning, you don't keep, you're eager to share it with people. You're eager to get it out there because you look, look at, look at what's happening. It's great. When God has changed you from a man of anger to a man of peace, that's a big deal. When God has changed you from a woman of selfishness to generosity, you share it because that's a big deal. As we are being transformed by Jesus, when we truly see how incredible it is, we will share it and we will talk to people about it. And you know, another thing which is, which I need to grow in a lot, is I see these people and they're talking not about, okay, I met this guy Jesus, I heard he said some good things, Um, you know, taught some great things, He, I saw him do some miracles. They didn't share that. That would have been true. There's nothing wrong in sharing that. But that's not what they shared. But they shared, look at what he's done for me. Yeah. Look at what he's done for me. And in Revelations 12, 11, it says they triumph over him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. When sharing your faith, you might meet different people from different religions, different backgrounds. Uh, maybe people have no faith at all. and A lot of people have different arguments for why God is real, why he's not. And obviously we know and believe God is real. We're convinced of that. Uh, but when you're sharing your faith with people, they might have some good arguments that they believe in. Um, and they can refute you. Obviously, we know as I said, we know this is true. Um, but if you tell them, look at what he's done in my life, no one can argue against that. When you tell them this is who I was before and this is who he has turned me into now, no one can say that's not true. No one can say that Jesus hasn't transformed you because it's your life. And as the scripture says, there is power in the word. Of your testimony. No one can argue with you when it comes to what God has done in your life. I think my encouragement with all of this, I'm a very simple man so I like things very simple. My encouragement with all of this is that all of this started from just an interaction with Jesus. This transformation, this outreach, the impact, the lives changed. It started with one simple interaction with Jesus. Now for all of us, we want to be transformed. We want to change. It starts with an interaction with Jesus. If you're new to the scriptures or if you've read the scriptures for years and years, my encouragement, please, 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 for our sake of our spiritual life, so we can be transformed by Jesus. Just spend time reading the scriptures. That's that's where it starts. Just spend time in the word of God and you will see Jesus transform you in incredible ways. All it takes is being with Jesus. Amen.